Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai. And joining me as always is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit here, and we're also going to break down uh, the most frequently mocked players to the Pittsburgh Steelers so far this offseason. A couple of names on that list are not going to surprise you at all. We're going to talk about their fits potentially with the team. Uh, But Shane, let's first start by the trending topics this week, and that is the Chiefs defeat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I think we learned a lot from this game, and we're going to break that down even further. We're going to talk about uh, what the Steelers, the notes that they should have been taking from this game and, and some of the things that they should do. But let's just talk about this game specifically for a little bit, Shane. What what are your overall thoughts on the Super Bowl? Did you like uh, how that game turned out? Uh, overall, yeah. I mean, it was a great game, 38-35. I believe the first time both teams have scored 35-plus points in the Super Bowl. Um, just one of the biggest like high-flying acts we've ever seen, and that was despite some questionable field conditions, which may or may not have helped depending on you know how you look at it with the scoring. But yeah, just so much fun, really good game, big comeback from the Chiefs. Mahomes comes out from that uh, supposed ankle injury. It didn't really look like he injured it more any- <laughs> once he got in the second half, but definitely was able to come back from that, really have a great game. I think the thing I'll take away the most from it, though, is the fact that Jalen Hurts is that guy. Like he, he's This was not a fluke. This was mm-hmm. not a situation where like, Oh, you know, they just went on a big run and their defense is great and everything. He pretty much outside of that weird fumble six situation carried this team the entire time and really ha- would have probably had a chance to at least take it to overtime if it weren't for that call at the end of the game. So, yeah, I mean, Hertz obviously looked good. You score 35 points in the Super Bowl. You're doing something right. Yeah, I know he's yeah. got a good, talented team around him. Uh, but I mean, man, he was just just inches away from from pulling that game off. Uh, and Shane and I were talking about this before Hertz is going to get paid here very soon. So, uh, that's going to be a big contract. The Eagles oh, yeah. are, are, are going to have to, to yeah. decide on here. Um, but it, it's hard to argue against it when the results were good. And he had a, a pass rating of 103.4 in the Super Bowl. Makes you wonder that that game probably turns out a lot different if he doesn't fumble and it's not picked up in, in, for a touchdown there, but, uh, definitely a good game to watch controversial call a little bit at the little end bit, there. Yeah. I know people, it was kind of a, a trending topic there. Um, on Twitter, but I think it probably was the right call. It's just not consistent call because there were other things that happened in that game and the officials were not consistent with it at all. Like we talked about uh, Jason Kelsey going down legal man downfield. And there were a few things on the Eagles that weren't called either that nobody's really bringing attention to. So I think overall, I think it was a a pretty well officiated game compared to like the championship games that we saw some some very questionable stuff there. Um, So I can't, I can't, blame the officiating too much i think they gave us a good super bowl uh, i would like to see it end without that call right um, but a good game nonetheless so let's shift the tension over shane to juju's tweet uh. right now if you haven't seen it <laughs> juju juju tweeted his tweet was essentially aimed at james bradbury the, yeah, the defensive yeah. back that was called uh, for their defensive holding late in the game that basically put the game on ice for the chiefs uh, and he had a little Valentine's Day with with Bradbury's picture. It said, I'll hold you when it matters most. And that was met with some backlash. And I think probably rightfully so. I know I th- I'm sure he probably did it in good fun. 
uh, knowing, knowing Juju, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that wasn't received particularly well. I, so with Juju, like I was always, I will say like, and we, I think we talked about a little bit during like fragrancy and everything like that. And like, whether where he was going to go and everything, I was always a fan of him as a player, obviously. And I think he's a, he's a funny guy, right? Like he, he does stuff that like, obviously rubs people the wrong way sometimes, but I, I don't like it when we try to control who players are, their personalities. So I try to let that stuff go unless it gets like too like ridiculous or personal. This one, admittedly, I laughed when I saw it because I just think it's generally funny. I think that's what he was going for. I don't think he was trying to be like, uh, like have any animosity towards Brett, like anything like that. I think he was just trying to poke fun. It was, you know, it was a really good game. I think both teams feel good about how they played for the most part. But I also understand why people are a little bit upset about it. It's kind of one of those too soon type of situations. Then again, you can't really yeah. wait any longer because it's, you know, about to, like if you're going to make this joke, mm. you have to do it yesterday. But it's it's just it's tough. I think if you're James Bradbury, especially the way he handled it, where he did say like, "Yeah, I, I held him, like I did. Like maybe they shouldn't have called it still because of other things, but I did it." And the Eagles handled it very well. I think maybe could have gone without doing this, but at the same time, this is kind of what he does. Like he's he does stuff with social media. He's fun. He likes to like mess around, and it is kind of what it is. I think with with Juju with that. Yeah, there was uh, there were there were a lot of athletes. I even saw like some NBA players yeah, quote tweeting yeah. and commenting on that as well. Uh, but one of them that was not particularly happy with it was <laughs> yeah. AJ Brown, yes, yes, receiver yes, yes. for the Eagles, uh, come to the defense of his teammate. And I understand that because I mean that's that's a tough loss to stomach, and is, yes. especially when it's it's I don't want to say decided by that call because I think the Chiefs probably would have won anyway. They had the control yeah. of the game, they had the momentum. Uh, they were at least getting a field goal out of that, and it would have forced the Eagles to come down and get their field goal to tie the game with less than a minute and 30 left or something like that. And so, uh, but yeah, it's uh, Brown, Brown was not too happy <laughs> with what no, Juju had to say there and yeah. kind of called him the TikTok boy and, uh, and course, uh, stick yeah. to what, what you do get. and that all that kind of jazz. So, uh, I see we got somebody popping in the chat here. If you have yeah. any questions for us here on the YouTube yes. channel, make sure you pop them in the chat and we'll yeah, see if we do. can get to them but during the show. Uh, let's talk Super Bowl odds here, Shane, for next year. Already looking ahead. Uh, as you can imagine, Pittsburgh Steelers not particularly high in terms of their Super Bowl odds right now, even yeah. with that 7-2 and two finish since the Week 9 bye. Uh, so far, FanDuel has them at plus 5,000 odds, which is good for the 21st best odds in the league. Uh, this is behind the Cleveland Browns, who are plus 3,500 odds. How? What do you make of that? I think a lot of it is the fact that we as fans, and I think a lot of us at least know that even though this team finished hot and they finished well, it, it wasn't against the best competition. And this is a team mm. going into its second year with a, with a you know, second year quarterback. They still have a lot of things to shore up along the offensive line, the defensive line, a lot of the important parts of building a team that's championship caliber, especially not just playoff caliber, but championship caliber. We're still behind the eight ball in a little bit. So I'm not surprised to see us all the way down here. I would have thought maybe closer to the middle just because of the fact that I think going into next year, if they do the right things, which we'll talk a little bit about the draft and other things, they could put themselves in like true playoff contention, not just, you know, kind of sneaking at the end, but that's still not enough to really make them a Super Bowl odds favor by any means, or even being, you know, 14, 15th best odds. So it does make sense. Mm -hmm. I think they want to see like what this team actually does and if they can build up those worrisome spots before they give them much credit as far as Super Bowl odds or anything like that. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I mean, I thought they probably would have been maybe just a little bit higher. Like 21st say, like, is pretty like low. I was 18, thinking like 16, 19, 18 16, range. Something yeah, something, like that, something yeah. like that. But I do get it. And part of the reason why is because you've got Joe Burrow and you've got Cincinnati Bengals in there 
who have now mm-hmm. almost twice in a row, almost twice in a row, have gone to the Super Bowl. So it's it's hard to say that Steelers, first of all, are going to win that division, mm-hmm. and then secondly, can the AFC is 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 getting it's loaded tough. here, and and the quarterbacks, are, and this has a chance to be like a historically great quarterback conference. Uh, we saw like the emergence of Trevor Lawrence late in the season, and mm-hmm. now that Justin Herbert probably has a, an offensive coordinator who's going to lead him, a, yeah, yes, lead him a lot farther. Um, I, I think that it's just going to be such a daunting road to get there. And I think that's why the, the odds are so low. It's not that they're the 21st best team and, and, and maybe odds makers would probably view them a little bit higher. Maybe, maybe the 14 to 16 range, uh, but you have to factor in what you're going against in the route it takes to get there. And so I understand for sure, uh, why the Super Bowl odds are so low. Obviously we're hoping that the Steelers show something different early in the yeah. season and this, the odds skyrocket, maybe Pickett takes that step forward. Um, but it's uh, Lamar's going to be back. Deshaun Watson's going to be uh, in a full season in his, his second season with Cleveland. And so uh, they have the Steelers as the fourth team. I, I don't bet them to finish that way, Shane. I if I had to so bet, either. I'm going to make the, and I, I made this bet on DraftKings last year. I, I bet that they would finish third or better because I didn't trust the Browns. I did yeah. not trust the Browns. And Brissett did as well as I thought he could in that situation. But I thought that was a pretty safe bet to make at the time. And I was, I was kind of regretting it a little early on with the, the two and six start. Uh, but I think that that would probably be a reasonable bet to make again next year. Yeah, is I, I think don't think so the Steelers so. will finish dead last in the division. Mike Tomlin just has too much pride. He hasn't let it happen. And so uh, I think that they're probably going to finish third if I had to put a number on it right now. Obviously, it's super early. Uh, but those are your Super Bowl odds right now certainly subject to change even as we go through the offseason maybe they're maybe odds makers are really going to like what Steelers do in right. free agency yeah. in the nfl draft and that could give them a big boost as well let's talk about the super bowl and this time from the steelers perspective shane uh, i want to talk about the most important notes that the steelers could have possibly taken away from that game because when i was sitting there watching it that's exactly what was going through my mind. I'm like, this is what the Steelers need to be doing right, exactly. at this point. So let's start with one. We'll go down the list. And if you have anything to add at the end, we'll add that. The first thing, Shane, is I think it's essential in today's NFL. To, you must have a brilliant offensive-minded play caller, whether that is your offensive coordinator, whether that is your head coach. I think it's a necessity. And we looked at the eight teams that were in the divisional round of the playoffs Seven of those teams, with the, the only one that wasn't was Sean McDermott. Seven mm-hmm. of those teams had offensive-minded uh, head coaches as their their play callers. And what happened to the Bills in that round? They scored seven points and got humiliated by Cincinnati. And so, and that's not to say that's going to happen every game, but you don't get enough consistency on offense when you don't have that mind that can scheme things open for you. And I think that's what we're seeing in today's NFL. Uh, Marcus Mosier broke this down just a little bit ago uh, this week. And, and, and we, he went back and looked at all of the last seven teams uh, to win the Super Bowl. None of them have finished with an offense ranked uh, worse than seventh. And so that's pretty telling. I feel it, it, we can't, it's so hard to use data from like, obviously like the nineties, the early two thousands, and even like the early 2010s, because we're the further we get away from that, the more the rules change in the NFL, uh, the, the, the style of offenses change. And so we have to use the most recent sample and the most recent sample Shane says that you need an elite offense. You need an elite offense to win this game. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? And if you agree, then how do stewards go about changing that? Because obviously they're not getting rid of Mike Tomlin. So I think the, the first issue here, and I think that, I want to address this is it doesn't necessarily mean that defense doesn't matter anymore. 
because yeah. clearly it does, especially defenses that are capable of, of pushing the right buttons when they need to. The Steelers' defense is certainly a playoff caliber, and hopefully if they can shore up a couple spots, a Super Bowl caliber defense. The problem is having a Super Bowl caliber defense doesn't mean what it used to mean because as good as offenses used to be and they and how talented they are, a combination of the rules and just the way guys are calling plays and the way that they can manipulate space and everything else, it's just so hard to, even when you play everything right, it's just so hard to not give up 20, 30 points sometimes through these really good mm -hmm. offenses. And so it's not about whether the defense is not good enough or anything else. It's just can your offense win your defense, even if it's really good, when it eventually falters, because it's going to in the, in the modern day. Can you come back from that? Can you counter-strike, basically? Steelers do not have a counter-punch to these offenses right now. The defense has to handle that for them, basically, and allow them to score 20 points to win the game. And, and you, we talked about it. Against good teams, teams that have at least a capable offense, mm -hmm. It's just hard to ask your defense in, in 2023 coming up to limit them to less than 20 points. It's just, it's a lot to ask. And we'll do it occasionally. We did it this year. But you can't rely on wins that way. So how do you basically find a way, how do you score 25, 26, 27 points a game and let your defense give up 22, mm -hmm. right? That's that's really what you're trying to do at this point. You're, you're trying to get into that range where your defense is still really good, but not the only reason you win and the offense doesn't have to be, you know, spectacular, but it has to be able to get enough points on the board consistently to give your defense a chance. I think with Tomlin as the head coach, the defense part can be taken care of. It comes down to can he find somebody outside of the organization, because that's going to be where it comes from, who can come in and actually, with Pickett and with what we have, figure out a way to score that 25, 26 points. And I think it's definitely possible with the talent we have. It's just, is he going to be able to find that guy and bring him here before someone else probably does, right? Because there are going to be other staffs looking for the same mm -hmm. thing. He has to be proactive, and, and the rest of the team has to be proactive in finding that guy, and they haven't been able to do that in recent years. Yeah, and I think the perfect example is just look at these last couple of games. You yeah. look at the Eagles and what they were able to do to the 49ers defense. The 49ers had the number one uh, DVOA defense and overall defense in the entire NFL this year, and the Eagles just stuck it to them in that uh that conference game. And then we look at the Super Bowl the the Eagles had a remarkable defense this year too. I think they finished third in defense uh, and they just, I mean, they give up 38 points. Now seven of those were a, a score on defense. And so it's, it's, it's a 31 point performance that you're still giving up. And so it shows you that you have to have obviously a combination of both, but the offense is what's been winning. I mean, the, the, it required 38 points for the chiefs to win that game. Yeah. And so it was the offense that ultimately, uh, prevailed, but I, I think that's so essential in today's game. And we can look back even a couple of years when the Steelers were in the playoffs against the Kansas City or against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and that game did not go well at all. And it's because of the offense. So the defense did their part. The first four or five drives, they didn't allow Mahomes and the Chiefs to cross the 50 yard line. Yeah. And TJ Watt had a defensive score. But even with that, <laughs> the offense was so stagnant that it didn't matter. And the defense got so gassed by the end of the game that it just ended up being a blowout. And so I think it's it's it doesn't get talked about enough how important the offense is in comparison. I think that's where the Steelers need to be allocating more recess, resources, yeah. allocating more of their money, because the the evidence shows right now that that is how, what it's going to take to win a Super Bowl. And so, um, unfortunately, they're not there yet. They don't have a lot of money. They are starting to invest more picks into their offense, and we hope they do so again this year. Uh, but that's going to have to turn around. All right, Shane, next on our list, uh, most important notes to take away from the Super Bowl is 
this game is one in the trenches. And I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Now, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a mastermind. And he's he's phenomenal and he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Uh, so I'm not taking anything away from him at all, even with the with the coaching thing and how brilliant Andy Reid is, because we saw some brilliantly designed plays in which he was able to just completely fool the Eagles defense, uh, putting guys in motion and, and getting players wide open in space, not taking anything away from Mahomes or Andy Reid. But this game is decided by the trenches, essentially. And, and Kansas City's trenches held up very, very well. Now, some of that was the turf conditions there it didn't, weren't didn't exactly make it great. Pass rushers, yeah, yeah it, it that definitely dulled down the pass rush uh, by how much everybody was slipping in that game. But you look at the investments the Chiefs have made into their offensive line. They they went out and, and traded for and paid Orlando Brown Jr., uh, Joe Thune. They they drafted Creed Humphrey, who is probably already the best center in the NFL. And so they're they're kind of stacked across the board. And, and so uh, and you look at the Eagles are the same way on the other side. And, and Kansas City really had trouble getting to them. It's part of the reason why Philadelphia was able to score 35 points in the Super Bowl because Hertz was so well protected. Uh, and and they've just they're loaded with mammoths on that offensive line. And so. I think that's so important and we undersell how important that is as well. And especially look at the team like the Steelers and what have they done in the last 12 years? I mean, we've already in that entire span, they haven't spent more than a third round pick on their offensive line. So that's something that's going to have to change in the future. Yeah. I think the, the number one thing with that is I think people sometimes, cause it's easy to forget about the offensive linemen, right? Because again, you don't hear about them unless they're terrible like, you know, like, honestly, it just, that's just kind of how it works. So you don't really think about them too much, but what it allows you to do when you have offensive lines that are as talented as those two teams had is the amount of things you can do offensively, regardless of personnel, your quarterback, it just gets bigger, right? Like with, with Canada, I think, especially mm -hmm. he has been under the assumption the past two years that they can't do long developing passing plays, that they can't do these things. And I think that does have a part in why his scheme is the way it is. Although I think it's mm -hmm. still just a him problem as far as scheming things up. I do think part of that has, ha has happened because he does not trust this offensive line to hold up in traditional, you know, longer pass sets. And he's probably right about that. And that's the problem. And I think that until they can ad address that, whoever ends up being the guy who calls this offense long term, it's not going to be Canada. We think we all know that he, the more you give him in terms of being able to protect your quarterback, the more things that he can add to his playbook, the things he can expand on and create some of these bigger plays that both of those teams are able to do because they were able to hold up in that pass protection and look at the long ball to AJ Brown. You look at some of the other ones that he, he just barely missed on with hurts. Like those happen because he had time to sit there and wait for the route to develop. Yep. The Steelers don't really, they haven't had the ability to do that and they haven't really even tried to do that in recent years for a reason. Yeah. I think it's, it, they just go hand in hand. Like obviously the more time you have, the more plays you're going to be able to make down the field, the more you'll be willing to trust your quarterback across the middle without getting blindsided by a guy coming off the edge. And so I think that we all know that at this point, we, we understand that the Steelers, they've got to improve the offensive line still. They did fine in their roles and, and they, yeah. I think they made some improvements in the second half of the season, but a couple of things to note, they're the healthiest offensive line in the league. They did not miss a single starter for a single game. Uh, Mason Cole only missed a handful of snaps. And outside of that, they were incredibly healthy. We can't expect that good health to continue. And again, like you, you, you already said, Shane, that if the Steelers want to have more of these explosive plays, you got to be able to hold onto the ball longer as a quarterback and, and go through progressions and try to, to make things happen over the middle of the field. That requires time in the pocket time that I'm not sure. And I wouldn't trust at least Dan Moore and a core for to be able to give yeah. him on a consistent basis. And so I think upgrading the tackle position is going to be key. Obviously Kevin Dotson could be 
replaced uh, if the Steelers feel that that's a priority as well. Um, so definitely things they can do there. I don't think they should be content, Shane. I don't think they should just settle and say, well, you guys worked well together last year. Uh, we, we were fine as a unit. We were able to run the ball and that's good enough. I mean, I think that's a very warped mentality to have when it comes to the Steelers offensive line. You can get better and you should get better because you should not settle, particularly at the blindside tackle position, which is arguably the second most position, important position in football behind your quarterback. And you want to be able to pair pick it with that guy that's going to be his protector basically throughout his career. Like I want that Tyron Smith. I want that Trent Williams. I want that, that guy that's going to be there for the long haul that you make a serious investment in and is going to really better your offense. So uh, I think, I think we certainly learned from that game that the value of the trenches and both sides of the trenches as well, because uh, the offensive and defensive lines that the Eagles and chiefs had a lot of investments there uh, and those were paying off as well. Uh, but the offensive lines in particularly, uh, in particular, did a good job during that Super Bowl. All right, Shane, and our third note we have here that Steelers should have been paying attention to is you got to get more talent. And un unfortunately, it's it's not for a lack of effort. They've been trying to. It's just I feel like these last few years, when you're buying the Eric Ebrons and the Trey Turners in free agency uh, and the Mason Coles and nothing against Cole, uh, Levi Wallace, you are parsing out your money to – Average starters at best is essentially what they're doing. And then when it comes to the draft, I think the Steelers have pigeonholed themselves into drafting our particular position. And we see that from the scouting trail when, when Tomlin and Colbert were on the pro day trail, and it's like, I'm only looking at quarterbacks this year. I I've, I'm fixated on, on Najee Harris. And so they need to be able to branch out and, and genuinely say, I'm open-minded in the draft process. I'm going to take the best players at the most important positions and I'm not going to fixate on one position and pigeonhole myself into making a decision that's going to cost me down the line just because I'm trying to fill a hole right now. Yeah, I think the, the key thing with the whole talent argument is in free agency, I think there's two schools of thought with free agency. And I think the Steelers clearly have been in one camp versus the other is I like to think in free agency, you should do one of two things as far as signing. You should sign a premium player that you know is going to be at least an above average starter. You know, maybe he's not going to be quite as good as he was at his first stop because we see that often, mm -hmm. but you expect him to be a plug and play like upgrade at an important position. Or you look for players who are being undervalued because they either only fit a certain niche or they don't only do a few, few things well, but they can do that thing for you at a cheap price. Those so, you, know, you find those like coverage linebackers, you know, receiving backs, those types of guys, right? Those are the two types of players you should ideally be looking to get, not these stopgap like replacement level starters. You know, th that's where you draft guys second, third, fourth round. That's where you draft guys like that that you can jump in immediately and be those types of players and hopefully be better than that in mm -hmm. a year or two, right? That's ideally what you want to do. Steelers haven't really done that recently, and I think there's a reason for that. Obviously, they're they're fo focused on competi uh, competing right now. Mm -hmm. opposed to competing for the future that's just probably how it's going to be to a certain degree with this team as it is but they have to find a better balance of that right like if you're going to go sign somebody in fragrance this year make it a deron Payne, make it a jamel dean one of these you know yeah. premium players yeah. at an important position if not then just don't spend that money that you don't need to right like keep some of that money roll it over to next year don't mm -hmm. overspend on guys that yeah they might be better than who you have now but not so much better that's actually going to change you from a you know bottom team to a contender like that's just not going to happen with signings like that we saw miles jack the that signing didn't change anything for us like those types of signings just don't really move the needle enough right that's what i think there has they have to do and then in free uh, not free to start a draft like you said you have mm -hmm. to pick a player at an important position 
with your top picks. You just have to. And like whether that's corner, you know, offensive tackle, we'll get into that more. But it has to be one of those types of players. And if not, you're really kind of wasting your time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we're seeing that, and that's what we've seen in recent years in the NFL draft. In 2019, the Steelers spent first, second, and third round pick to move up for a linebacker. Uh, 2018, they they got a safety in the first round, who many thought was overvalued. The Steelers overvalued him, yeah. and then they took a running back in the, in the first round of 2021. And so uh, they're just allocating the resources incorrectly, if you will, in, in some, and they're valuing the wrong positions early on. And so I think that that needs to change. I, I like your philosophy uh, when it comes to free agency. I agree with you there. Um, I The problem is I, the Steelers are too proud, I think, yes. to roll that money yes. over. They exactly. want to be competitive yeah. every single year, mm-hmm. and they're going to spend every dime to make sure that they are. And that's why they're getting a Miles Jack, uh, even though they structured his, his contract in a way that he would have an $11.25 million cap hit this year for the Steelers, which is absurd <sighs> for, yeah. a I think, a below-average starting linebacker. And so – um, they get themselves into these predicaments, then they eat more dead money and they keep eating it and eating it instead of stopping that trend for just one year and then rolling that extra cap space over and then truly going out and getting a Jamil Dean or a, a, a player that's going to make a bigger impact like that, that you can kind of build a football team around. So definitely agree there. Uh, I think I'm, I'm encouraged. At least we've, we've got Andy Weidel. We poached him from the Eagles. I think he did a tremendous job, job there, especially helping to build those trenches back up again. I mean, he was responsible for uh, drafting Landon Dickerson, Jordan Davis, uh, Jordan Mailata, and so, so some huge, beefy monsters on that offensive line that have really, really helped uh, transform that Eagles team. I hope he kind of has the same mindset going in, and I hope that Tomlin and the Roonies give him uh, that flexibility to be able to say, yeah, this, these are your choices to make because I think he's done some good things over there. Uh, so I'm definitely encouraged. And then with the draft capital that we have this year as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. Okay, Shane, let's talk about the most frequently mocked players to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, we're still super early in the pre-draft oh, yeah, process. Sure, with sure. The Combine hasn't even started. That's going to kick off here on February 27th. Uh, but let's look at this. And I've got this pulled up right now as well. This is from uh, the NFL Mock Draft Database where they take a collection um, from all the sites, including our own, of, of the mock drafts that are out there. And they show which players are most frequently mocked. And so we're going to kind of go through some of the top names here on the list. We're, we're going to touch on a handful of these. Uh, we won't do any too long. We'll do more uh, in-depth breakdowns of these players later on in the process. Yep. 
But let's just touch a few minutes on each of these quick hitters. Uh, and the first one is not going to surprise a soul out there. If you've been following along, or even if you haven't, you probably know the name Joey Porter. And thus, you're going to know the name Joey Porter Jr., cornerback for Penn State. He is the most mocked player to the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to the NFL Mock Draft database, uh, by a wide margin. And it's not surprising to see that. And even those in the national media are mocking him to the Steelers, and I think for pretty obvious reasons. Now, it's worth noting that uh, Porter Sr. and Tomlin did not overlap in terms of player-coach. Yep. Uh, there was a one-year difference. So um, Porter Sr., he was gone that year, and then that was the, the offseason that Tomlin came in. He still knows him very well. There's still connections with the organization. I'm sure I'm sure they're talking. And so I don't think it's just smoke. I don't think we can say that anymore and say these teams don't do that. I mean, they're, they're not all about saying I'm going to I'm playing chess, not checkers. I'm going to I'm going to fake everybody out. No, we know that the Steelers like Najee. We know some of the players they like. And so we're going to really be able to find that out at the combine here. And then during the scouting trail, when the Steelers go to these pro days, I'd have to imagine that Tomlin and Weidel and Khan are at Penn State this year, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, again, it just this is one of those things where everything lines up, right? Where there's a need at the position. There's it's a player who they should be very familiar with because of obviously Joey Porter Sr. his time playing there, being coached there. Like they they just it just makes sense, right? And I'm not I don't blame anybody for taking that as the approach of as far as like what they would want to do in the draft. We've seen them kind of fixate on guys. You mentioned Najee before, you mentioned you know quarterback last year, like they don't exactly, you know, try not to tip their hand in some situations. Um, I don't know if that's going to play out this way and during the process, but it wouldn't be surprising if we see a lot of talk about them going to Penn State, talking to Joey a lot. And, again, I do like the idea of it because, again, we need corner. Mm -hmm. I think it just comes down to is it going to be the best pick at the time? Because pick 17 could get a little bit dicey mm -hmm. just because if there's a run on tackles, is he the best corner left? Is, is you know, he the guy that makes the most sense? Is there another corner that maybe, and we'll talk about, you know, one of these guys here in a minute uh, that maybe is a better fit or maybe more what they're looking for. You know, it's not a perfect guarantee. It's not a guarantee of any kind, but again, everything lines up for it to make sense at the time they're going to be mm -hmm. picked. And we'll kind of just see how these teams evaluate these corners and who's put in what spots. Cause I think that's going to matter a lot too. Yeah, and Porter's not guaranteed to be there either. It's no, going to come down to no. preference by these teams. This is a very strong cornerback class at the top is, yes. end. Yeah. And the more that I'm seeing now, Porter's gone inside the top uh, inside the top 10 this year. And so I don't know if he's going to last to 17 or yeah. not. I do think it makes a lot of sense. I would not be upset with this pick, not no, from what I've seen. No. I think Porter can get really grabby. But he's also got exceptionally rare traits. When you are 6'2 plus, 200 yeah, pounds plus. And, and he's said to have between 34 and 35 inch arms. Stupid. We'll see exactly where those come in, but it's going to be like 99th or 100th percentile among cornerbacks. That length matters so much at that position, probably more than anything outside of offensive tackle, because you use it every single play to, yep. to, to put your hand in passing lanes, break up balls. And so that's going to, that's going to offer him a huge advantage uh, at the next level. I can see him as one of those guys who is a much better pro than he is as a college player. Uh, the, the, the takeaway number is a little bit concerning there. I think he had only just had one career interception at Penn State. I wouldn't be too concerned with it. Though, so. A lot of passes defensed, and it's just a very physical player. So the Steelers yeah. are going to love this guy. Um, not hard to see at all why he's the most frequently mocked, and I think he should. I think yeah. I, I think if, if if somebody put a gun to my head right now, I, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, I think Porter. It's going to be Porter. That, that, that would make that would a lot of my sense. pick because yeah. it, it, assuming that he's on the board, uh, I think he's going to be a hard one for them to pass up, and we'll see. 
uh, as we go throughout this process. Next name on the list. So these are the two. These are the two guys. The next name on the list is the other one that is so frequently linked to the Steelers, not necessarily because wide receivers are biggest need, although Deontay Johnson is coming off of a very less than spectacular season, was one of the least efficient starting receivers in football last year. But Jordan Addison, because of his connection with Kenny Pickett and playing in that pit offense together and Pickett had an exceptional year at Pitt. I mean, he led his team to an ACC championship. His numbers were off the chart. They elevated so much uh, when he played with Addison there and Addison had hundred catches, 1500 yards, 17 touchdowns. He was electric uh, for that, that team and, and for Kenny Pickett specifically. So the question here would come to, I, uh, how important is wide receiver for the Steelers knowing that they spent a second round pick on George Pickens, uh, Deontay's under contract and how much flexibility would they give and say, Hey, Pickett, what do you think of this? Right? What if, if we were to do something like this, do you think you get your use out of him? I don't know if they would come to their, their second year quarterback and, and speak that kind of language, but if they think that Pickett is the guy and they want to get help around him and let's say a couple of the offensive tackles are already off the board and, and Addison is sitting there, then perhaps that's a possibility. I think this is so tough because it makes a lot of sense. We've seen teams, you know, they, if you give your young quarterback an elite weapon, how much that changes the game for them, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, I think if I if we didn't have Matt Canada coming back this year, I might like this pick more, even though ultimately yeah. it probably would only be a, a year-long mistake, you know, type of thing. But I think I'd like to pick a little bit more if I was confident that you brought him into a situation where he could thrive even as a rookie with, with Pickett. I think so much of what they would end up doing production wise would come not from the offense, but from just them working out, which is, which mm -hmm. is totally fine as well. I mean, that would still help, but I do wonder if it'd be the best fit because of that. I don't know if this is a passing game right now that's conducive to the types of plays that these two made with each other in college. I don't know if that would happen very much in the pros, at least early on. But again, you, you can't really ignore how, how much bring a elite weapon into an offense can help a young quarterback. And we desperately need any help we can get for him at this point. Uh, and so it would make a lot of sense. I just do wonder, like I said, is the timing right mm -hmm. for it for, for a pick like this right now? Or is it better to fortify the trenches, like you said? And again, maybe somehow the corners and the tackles, maybe there's a huge run on both of them. And maybe Addison is just the best player there, in which case I can't really blame them for taking him in that situation. Yeah, I'm all for trying to help the offense and to help Kenny Pickett. I think that Steelers' number one goal for these next couple of years needs to be don't let Kenny Pickett fail at all costs. Yeah. I mean, you need to you need to get him help on the offensive line. You need to get him another weapon in the passing game at some point. Doesn't necessarily have to be right now or in the draft. Could be in, in free agency or e even with like a second tight end or somebody else who can help him uh, in the passing game. But my, my thing with Addison is. I don't view him as a true first round graded player. And I think that that's where I'm going to differ from some people. Um, I see him very much in like the Robert Woods type mold of football player where he's going to, he's going to run really good routes. He's, he's going to, he's just going to be a guy that you can kind of pepper with targets and he's going to do a lot of things really well. Um, I don't see him as that exceptional player who's worthy really of being like a top 15 selection. The Steelers are just outside of that. Um, and so maybe that's something that they would consider but we compare him to receivers in like last year's class. I mean, that was a really strong class. George Pickens was the 10th receiver taken or, or 11th receiver taken. There was 10 guys taken before him last year. So I, I think that it's a relatively weak receiver class and I don't want Steelers to be forced to take one just for the sake of taking one. 
Um, obviously, we'll, we'll know a lot more as we go throughout the process. And Addison is a good player. He's, I think, consensusly a top two receiver, along with uh, TCU's Quinton Johnson in this class. And so if a top two receiver is available for you, it's obviously something that needs to be considered. Um, I just think that it's the, the receiver class isn't particularly strong overall. And I hate spending a first round pick on one unless I am getting that that true like number one difference making type player. And I kind of view Addison probably more as that number two in the NFL. Although I would be in favor of reducing Johnson's 147 targets down to like 100. Yeah. I it just yeah. it wasn't good last year from him. So obviously we hope he can take a step forward. I, I will say there is some other receivers that I think uh maybe closer to pick 32-49 that I think would be a better mm-hmm. fit, but we'll talk about that at a later time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure because I uh, I mean I that's the something that just needs to be weighed. Like that's 17th pick is valuable. And, is, and the Steelers typically valuable. don't pick though. They typically pick in the 20s. And so mm-hmm. when you have that, are you going to spend it on a receiver? When with no guarantee of getting that second contract and knowing that he's going to be that third receiver to start uh, the season, at least, uh, or do you want to invest that into an offensive lineman? Like I, I I would certainly choose the offensive lineman. I like those prospects. I I like the top three offensive tackle prospects better than I like Addison anyway. And I think it's a more important position for what the Steelers need, obviously. Um, But it's something that they could definitely consider. And I would expect them to have that visit. Obviously he's right. He's uh, I mean, he's not, he's not there in, in pit anymore, but they're very familiar with him, obviously. So of course, yeah. um, I think that one, I think they're, they're going to use one of their visits on, on him there. Uh, let's talk about Broderick Jones a little bit. Now, technically by the NFL mock draft database, Broderick drone, Broderick, excuse me, Broderick Jones is the second most frequently drafted player, uh, mock drafted player to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, behind only Joey Porter. And I feel I find that interesting and I like it because I, I I'm a big Roger Jones fan as a young guy, freaky athlete. I mean, that the guy might run a four eight five or a four nine at the combine. And and not that that's that important for offensive offensive tackle, but it's worth noting that the all pro offensive tackles right now, they run sub four fives, the all the ones in the NFL. And so uh, just something interesting to note there because those guys are typically so freaky in what they do. Uh, that they can make up with with any deficiencies because of their just elite athletic traits. Um, I think that Jones is going to be gone before their pick. Sadly, uh, it, it's hard to see him like getting past uh, like the Tennessee Titans at pick eleven, especially if Paris Johnson is already off the board. Uh, but it's worth noting that he's a guy that's frequently mocked to the Steelers. Yeah, I think you're right though, and that's kind of the issue is because of the type of player that he is, right? He's not necessarily like, and we'll talk about this player a little bit later, like a Peter Skronsky type of like the technical, mm-hmm. the like refined player. He's he's not you know by super raw by any means either. But this is a guy that blows up at the combine and gets taken inside the top ten, if not right side yeah. outside of it, and, and he kind of feels that way. We'll see what he actually looks like and drills at the combine and see if that really impacts anything. But if he does test like the athlete, he I expect him to test like and just looks mm. as fluid as he did at Georgia. Some team is going to either come up for him that isn't the Steelers probably or they're going to just take him inside the top 10 if they need to. But again, this would be a perfect fit. I think he's the guy that of the like higher upside tackles, if he can get all the way to 17, it's a slam dunk pick. You have to take him. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that could easily become a at least Pro Bowl caliber player for you, I think, relatively quickly. But again, I think it comes down to just is he even going to be there? If he's he's mocked mm-hmm. to us a lot, but that's, you know, different mock draft machines and stuff like that. Like they're not factoring everything in. It just he feels like the type of guy, though, that is going to rise enough where we'd either have to go get him, which I didn't expect him to do. Or again, he just won't be there at 17. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, if I had to bet right now, he is not there and he probably doesn't even come within a few picks of the Steelers because probably I do not. think that he's one of those guys. He's just going to blow up the combine. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've watched a lot of his games so far and his, his movement skills are phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the way that this guy moves, he has that similar body type to like a Tyron Smith type guy where you're just chiseled, rocked. You get the long arms. You're a young guy. Uh, you're doing it without a lot of experience and he's only going to get better. I mean, you project forward. He's going to be, he could be a terrific uh, player at the next level. Um, just a, a guy that I'm, I'm really high on this year, but yeah, like you said, probably not going to be there. It's worth noting too, that, I mean, he comes from a great football program at Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Thomas, who just came from there a few years back is probably already the second or third best left tackle in the NFL right Depending now. And so, you ask. Yeah, I, he's really yeah and I, and I think part, that, yeah. uh, I think that Jones's ceiling is, is just as high as, is what Andrew Thomas's was. And so, um, certainly, certainly could be a valuable player. It could be one of the, the most valuable offensive players in the league if the trajectory remains the same right now. So, uh, yeah, I don't see that one being there for the Steelers, but it's worth mentioning because he is high um, on their most frequently mocked list. Uh, next name that we have here is Devin Witherspoon. as the, He's actually the third most frequently mocked. And so Jordan Addison wasn't, but I wanted to throw him in there second because he's the most talked about player, the yeah. second most talked about player mm -hmm. behind Joey Porter Jr., uh, but not quite the most frequently mocked player to the Steelers. And it's, I think it's a lot of it has to do with need in the Steelers needs elsewhere. Uh, but Devin Witherspoon is, and this one I find interesting as well for very similar reasons to Bro Broderick Jones from what I'm hearing right now, it sounds like he's going to go in, inside the top 10 somewhere. That's kind of the issue is because with weather with Witherspoon, he's a very good athlete. He's not quite as big or as long as Jerry Porter jr. Not quite as probably explosive as some of the other guys like Christian Gonzalez but he is the complete package at corner from what mm. I've been able to see of him and what I've heard that from a technical standpoint, he, he's much closer to in terms of his ability to come right out of college and play closer. Not, but he'll, he'll probably not be anything like sauce Gardner this past year. That's a special, mm. special player. Yeah. But in the same mode of like, he's ready to go right now. Like there's no concern of, for me that he's not going to be able to come in and at least be a quality number, number one corner, if not a high end number two corner right off the bat. And that's just very valuable for some of the teams in the top 10 that don't have the ability to stop the pass game. It really helps them to at least have a better chance of it. And I'm not going to be surprised, like you said, if he ends up going top 10. And he might be the only corner that goes top mm -hmm. 10. It really just depends on what teams are valuing in the top 10 this year, even though the corners are probably worth selections in that range. He's the most likely, I think, at this point to actually end up going in that range. Yeah, like I said, it's going to come down to preference. Do teams like uh, Witherspoon, do they, do they like Christian Gonzalez? Do they like Joey Porter? I think it's mm -hmm. probably one of those three guys. Uh, and, and whoever falls to the Steelers, maybe they would consider that guy because I, I do think they're all in the same tier. They just each offer something a little bit different. I think yeah. that, that Porter's not quite as consistent as mm -hmm. the other two and, and, and not as big of like a splash play playmaker at this point in time. Uh, but he's got a lot of upside. Uh, Witherspoon, like you said, really the complete package. I have him just a little bit under the, like the Patrick Sertan and the JC Horn yeah, to come out in recent years. Yeah. He's not, he's not in that level, but I think there's three guys or so that are in that next tier down from him. Uh, certainly worth a top 10 or 15 pick. And so I don't know if Witherspoon's going to be there. Uh, he, he does fit the bill of everything they look for. Incredibly physical player. And Tomlin I'm gonna, is going to love this guy. Um, so I can see why he's been mocked there. Um, and some uh, from the mainstream media, have mocked him to the Steelers as well. So that one makes a lot of sense. Uh, let's look at the next name on the list. And this is Trenton Simpson, linebacker out of Clemson. 
we could strongly make a case that linebacker is the worst position on the Steelers. And it might get worse than it is right now because on, Devin yeah. Bush is an unrestricted free agent. So is Robert Spillane. And so you're, you're losing Bush. I don't see any way that he comes back. I don't know if the team would want him back. I don't know if he would want to come back under any circumstances unless he can't find a home anywhere else, but he doesn't play special teams. So he's not coming back to be a special teams player for them. And so, I mean, the Steelers really, they're going to be down to, Miles Jack, who they got to figure out what they're doing with this contract there. I'm not content keeping that at $11.25 million cap hit, and the Steelers shouldn't be either. Uh, Robert Spillane, who they're going to have to re-sign to, as a, a reserve linebacker and a special teams player. And Mark Robinson. And I'm not even counting uh, uh, Marcus Allen as a linebacker, really. I mean, he doesn't a, play. Of course, special teams <laughs> player. That is it. He's the up back. He, he's not going to see the field on defense. So. This team is really, really weak at the position. I would expect them to look for someone in, the, in free agency, first of all, to cover their bases. Uh, but then in the draft, I can see them doing something like this. It, it scares me a little bit because it, this is kind of like in the same camp to me nowadays, and the analytics would suggest the same as taking like the running back in the first round. It's kind of like the running back of the defense. These off-ball linebackers, they don't have as long of careers. Hardly any of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL are first-round picks. Most of them are day-two picks. Um, and so I'm just not a huge fan of doing this. I do think that Simpson is a good player. He's well-rounded. He has a little bit of the a little bit of Shazier qualities to his game in terms of his ability to he can line up in the slot. He can blitz from the middle. He can blitz from the outside. He can do a lot of different things. He's he's good in coverage. He can make some splash plays. Uh, he fits a similar size profile as Shazier coming out, not to that caliber, I don't think. Um, that's, that's back in that, uh, 2014 draft where you had Shazier and Mosley who were both really good prospects yeah. coming out. Uh, so he's a step down from that, but, and I think that there's no doubt in my mind that, that Simpson would help improve this team. It's just, would you take an off ball linebacker in the first round, considering that it's not a money position and that there are so many other, uh, so many other pressing needs that you have, uh, at more important positions on the team. Yeah, I think it's tough because this is the type of linebacker that the Steelers should be trying to acquire in some way, shape, or form. He is a true rangy cover type of linebacker. He has he's a full size player, especially by today's standards. He could develop into a, a three down like true impact starter as a linebacker. The problem is you can't take him at seventeen. I think I just think one, it's too early for him in general. Mm -hmm. Regardless, if you take him at thirty two or even better forty nine, sure. That, that's good value because you're getting a guy who I think could start right away, can be the guy that you haven't had, like I said, as a as a cover linebacker. That I, I'm okay with, especially if you get a tackle early and maybe the corners that are left aren't really what you want at 32, then maybe you take a Simpson or something like that. That would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. 17, though, like I said, that is just too rich for really any linebacker, in my opinion, at this yeah. point. You really touched on it. But especially when there's going to be players probably at maybe even defensive line, at hopefully corner at least, if not tackle, that's going to be there that are better players and, and a higher value player. You can't pass on any of those guys to take a Trenton Simpson at 17. Yeah, and I think a good way to view this, Shane, if we look at it like this, there are lots of cornerbacks that I would be willing to trade my first round pick for mm -hmm. that if I can get them for the rest of their career. And how many linebackers in the NFL right now would you be willing to do that for? Not, I mean, like there's many. like Fred Warner. Yeah. So what, what I'm saying is if you were to trade your pick away and take on their money, there's only a couple linebackers in the entire NFL that are worth trading a first round pick for. So what makes you think that first of all, you're going to get one of those guys with your first round pick. It's more likely mm -hmm. than not that you don't. 
Right. And secondly, when it comes time to pay this guy, are you going to be willing to fork up money if there's only a couple linebackers out there that are worth their massive contracts right now? And I think that that Fred Warner is, is one of the few, and they're they're really few and far between. And so uh, I think that this is becoming a position anymore where teams are like, yeah, I'm going to draft a linebacker almost every year on day two. And then we're going to kind of rinse and repeat and go through the process. And these guys are going to get beat up. They're going to get worn down. Their best years are going to be from age 23 to 26 or 27. And then we're going to kind of move on. And, and so in that sense, they are becoming a lot like running backs. And so I like Simpson. I think he's a, he's a solid football player. I like him. Like you said, much better in the second round than I do at 17. Uh, for the Steelers perspective, which is what we're kind of looking at here because of these mock drafts, I think he'll certainly be on their radar. I think they'll, they'll certainly do their homework with him, depending on what they do in free agency. I mean, if they go out and sign two guys at the linebacker position, in free agency, not. Yeah, they're not going to be interested. No. And I probably I probably don't see them doing that. But uh, one guy or less, I mean, he's going to be on their radar. And again, he's, he's right from their, their scouting region here. They're familiar with that school, familiar with uh, him as a prospect, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, not... Uh, not a not a pick that uh, Shane or I would be a huge fan of uh, with the 17th selection there, like he's being mocked. Uh, let's look at Peter Skoronsky, the Northwestern offensive tackle. And I say tackle lightly right now because I just don't know, Shane. I mean, I, I really, really wish this guy had 33 and a half, 34 inch arms, and I would feel so good about him. Uh, there's There's rumors out there that his arm length might come in under 32 inches. And that is concerningly small for me. I think it's one of those things that you, it, it has to be evaluated. It, it, you can't just be thrown out the window and because, and I was cutting up some of his film just the other day where when he gets that long arm into the chest, I mean, he's getting pushed backwards. There's as strong as he is, there's nothing he can do about it because he just can't reach uh, the, the edge in front of him. And so, um, that's something that needs to be considered. I think his tape is really good overall. I think, I mean, he's graded out very well. You see that on tape. He's got the traits. He's an athlete. Uh, he comes from, he comes from a big 10 football program and, and there's a lot to like about his game. It's just that he's got that one concerning thing about him. So how do you view him Shane at the next level? What position do you think he'd have to be? Uh, is he a guy that should be high on Steelers radar? I think that what's good for Peter Skronsky is the fact that I'm pretty confident and most people seem confident that if you draft him to be a tackle and he can't do it, he's going to move inside mm -hmm. and probably be a pro bowl guard pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that's the, the benefit with him is you're getting a guy who is capable because of his athleticism and his size, he's able to move inside to guard and play very well there if he can't be a tackle. But I think teams will owe it to themselves, especially just based on his tape and the fact that he's already very refined as a, as a pass protector. Like he kind of understands that he isn't the longest arm guy. So he tries to avoid that being an issue. I think you owe it to him and yourself to play him at tackle early on until he sh shows he can't. But, mm. you know, at this point, I think that because it's very likely just based on his measurements that him being a tackle long-term could become a, a situation where he's maybe only a starting caliber tackle instead of an above average or pro bowl caliber tackle. Mm -hmm. Is it more valuable to have him move inside then and maybe be that again, like I said, pro bowl caliber, even all pro caliber type, type of guy. That's I think what you have to weigh, but it's pick 17. I'm not mm -hmm. as worried about that because I, if I'm confident I'm getting a very good player, regardless, I'm not as worried about it, but 17 for a guy who might end up being a guard is a little bit pricey, but we've seen players go in that range and be very, very good. So I'm not going to knock that either. I think if he's the best offensive lineman left, then I'm totally fine with it. 
if there's guys that I think maybe are going to be better at tackle or need long-term at tackle that's still on the board, maybe you address a different position and try to get one of those guys with your second pick. Yeah, because of his position flexibility projected forward, I think that he's one of the safest players in, yeah, the, in that so, regard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it just comes to, down to a matter of, do the Steelers view him as an offensive tackle? And I think that greatly increases his value if they do. Yes. Now, ideally, in a perfect world, if you went with a guy like Skaronsky, you could say, all right, yeah, you're my starting left tackle. Dan Moore, you're going back to being Ideally. my swing guy. And even if you just prove to be average because the length does give you a lot of issues, that's fine for now. You're, you're still an upgrade over what we had. And when we find a true left tackle down mm -hmm. prospect a year or two later, we'll, we'll bump you over to guard. You'll be great right. there. And so, and like you said, I don't think you can really go wrong with the pick. It's just a matter of, is the guy a guard? Is, is he a tackle? Uh, some of you in Florida was saying, maybe he's a center that depending on how I mean, short hey, his arms come. He's, yeah, he's hey. got 31 inch arms. Maybe he's a center. I think he could do anything on the interior. I don't, I, I don't question so. that at all. Yeah. Um, and, and he has all the traits to be a left tackle in the NFL. He just doesn't have the length or at least, at least not what we're told. We'll, we'll find that uh, official measurement here in about two weeks at the NFL combine. And so it's going to be really interesting. I think that's one of the big numbers everybody's waiting to see. But again, Skaronsky, I have mocked him personally to the Steelers. I can see it happening, especially if Paris Johnson is gone, if Broderick Jones is gone, the Steelers, uh, if they want a, an offensive tackle, if they're, if, if that's a position and Andy Weidel has valued it, obviously in the past with the Eagles. And so, if that's something they're eyeing, I can I can certainly see him being the pick there if he happens to fall that far. And again, he's another one of those guys. I think that depending on what team likes him and how they view him, he could be long gone before the 17th pick anyway because Possibly, he's that good of a yeah. player, at least in college. Uh, we've got one more name on the list for now. And obviously, we're going to dive into these a little bit deeper as mm -hmm. we go throughout the process. Uh, but that is Florida offensive guard Osiris Torrance. I went back and watched the All-22 film at the senior bowl. I watched the O-line D-line drills a couple times each. I thought Torrance was very impressive there. Very impressive. And that's, that's a drill that favors, uh, it favors the defensive player because it's, it's essentially a one-on-one -on -one. Yeah. -on -one. and there's, there's open field in front of you. Typically you're going to have obviously the rest of the offensive line playing. They can help chip in, uh, more congestion there. And so he just, I mean, he pretty much stonewalled everybody you win against. I mean, there, there's maybe two or three reps that weren't perfect, but the rest was exceptional. And it's, it's a guy that's got immense power, long arms, huge frame. Uh, I think he's pretty much the total package that you would want at least look for uh, in a guard. And so I think that even though, like we talked about already a little bit, Shane, guards certainly not as valuable as tackle. I think that's a much more replaceable position. Uh, and and it, the money reflects that as well because they don't get that paid as much, but um, I think that Torrance is a player that could definitely be in play here at that 17th pick. I think it's definitely possible. And I think the question for the Steelers is do you, and this is the thing that they have to decide because we know our opinion on it. We know that we think Dan Moore is the weakest link of this offensive line. We'd like to see an upgrade or left tackle. Mm -hmm. If they don't feel that way, if they feel that maybe Kevin Dawson is the weakest link or they feel that they can upgrade that spot more assuredly with the draft pick. Cyrus Torrance is about as good as you're going to get as far as what they want to do as well. Yeah, he will open up holes around the game. Like that is not that's really not a question at all. I think mm -hmm. as a pass blocker, he's shown enough again in the drills and in, and in college as well that you're not worried about him being like an actual liability in any way. If anything, he could end up becoming a very good guy, especially stonewalling the bigger, stronger inside or interior players. It's it would be very on brand for them to take a guy like this. Let me put it that way. If they're trying to build up the trenches in a way that allows them to run the football, which is what we know they want to do. 
this is the guy to do that. And I think he even more so than Skronsky would be, even though I think Skronsky's probably a better player overall. I would understand if they're going to go interior player, if they view him as an interior player as well, they probably mm. would rather go with Torrance for just the the fit for what they're looking for. Yeah, and I can see that being the case as well. And I mean, if, if Stewart's got a David DeCastro, nobody's going to be upset about no, that. It doesn't matter no, if he's a guard or anything at that point. It doesn't matter, no. Uh, unlikely <laughs> that he ends up being that multi-time no, all-pro but... guy, but I think he could certainly be a Pro Bowl-level guard. I mean, this is a good football player. And uh, just like Scaronzi, I think that Osiris Torrance is one of the safest players in the entire draft Probably, just because yeah. he has everything. And, and, and where Skaronsky doesn't check the box in arm length, Torrance checks even that box as well. He checks every box. Uh, the, the feet aren't always there. They're a little bit inconsistent still. needs to clean up his he's technique, player, but yeah. he's a good enough athlete and you can see it on film. And so uh, I think he's, he's one of the most well-rounded overall prospects in terms of his position. Uh, I think the guard position has been a little bit devalued in recent years uh, because as we move to the passing game, it's the, the tackles ha- offer significantly more value yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's easier to replace that guard. As we saw this this last year when Steelers replaced two of their offensive linemen and we're arguably the two best offensive linemen yeah. On the team last year in in Mason Cole and James Daniels in in the interior, so that's easier to replace than the tackle position. You don't have those guys ever floating out there not really, in free no. agency like that, <laughs> no. uh, and at least not for substantial amounts of money um, for the premier tackles. So I I do like uh, Osiris Torrance a lot. I think he's a little bit rich for seventeen. Ideally, I'd love to be able to get him like a trade back situation. And that's, again, something that Andy Weidel has done with the Eagles in the past is that team has traded back. They've got as many darts as they can throw at the board, essentially. And that's how they end up with players like Jordan Mailata, who's a very good offensive tackle, uh, because they able to get compile so many picks that you're bound to hit on some of these guys uh, in those mid-rounds there. So definitely something to keep an eye on. We will break down all of these players and more in future episodes, but thank you for joining us today. That's all the time we have. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast and also check us out on YouTube. Thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.